The Start On Demand. On demand. How warm are your boots in the winter? Loren McNabb discovered there are boots that are rated to minus 100. We also have tips on how to keep your phone from dying in this cold. Can you name last year's best picture winner without Googling it? Because I couldn't, and I'm one of the couch potatoes. The mayor of Selkirk weighs in on the film tax credit being made permanent in this province. Selkirk is the Hollywood of the North. Bob Irving weighs in on the bomber signing Adam Big Hill. Kelly Keene is in town. She paid us a visit to give us her latest round of financial tips and we'll meet someone who runs a canine rescue for senior dogs. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Wednesday, January 16th edition of the podcast for The Start. Yesterday, Loren... You paid a visit to a shop in Winnipeg that can help you with that very thing. Well, how many times do you walk in to work or come into work or leave work and see somebody walking down the street without a toucan, but it's minus 36 or they've got like terrible shoes and you kind of like, what is everybody thinking? So it's minus 36 with the windshield this morning. And you'd like to think as Manitobans that we're always prepared. But yesterday I took a trip to the work boot factory on Regent and was surprised with how busy it was. Marissa Granvove is the CEO, and she says a cold snap like the one we're going through is usually the snapping point for many of her customers who try to make it through the winter and then get to this point and are like, okay, I am not prepared. So those are construction workers, linesmen, railroaders, snowmobilers, really anyone who spends a lot of time outside. And no matter how many times you've heard it, she says she always finds herself repeating it in store, layer properly, and as crazy as it might sound, minus 50, which is what they're feeling in the north this morning with the wind, is completely manageable. I walked in here. I heard a customer, the very first one, say, what else do you have that's rated for minus 100? And and my thought was, what? (laughs) But that seems like it might be a common question here. It is. Um, When it comes to warm weather, a lot of people want to know about what the temperature ratings are on the products. It's important to know that temperature ratings are a bit exaggerated in the sense of they are ideal. So depending on circulation, depending on what the base layers that we're wearing underneath our clothing are will have a factor on how warm the outcome is and so when we can avoid cotton as base layers as socks when we can make sure that we've got more of a moisture wicking base layer something along the lines of wool in our socks or polypropylene in our clothing that will keep you warm to make you warmer it takes the moisture off of you and when we have moisture against our skin inside our clothing we've been in the truck driving from site to site the heat's on in the truck we sweat a little in our warm clothes and boots as soon as you step outside the first thing the cold goes to is whatever is damp. So if that dampness is being held against your skin, cotton absorbs moisture, you're going to feel much colder. So these 100 below boots, we like to say, take your average rating and divide it in half. So on a minus 50 day, windshield included, minus 100 boot is where you want to be. If it's a minus 20 day, a minus 40 boot is a really great way to go. So what does a minus 100 or a minus 50 boot uh, look like? I'm going to answer that with what does it sound like? Does that sound familiar to you guys? That's pretty big, pretty heavy. <laughs> it sounds like the boots that you slog around <laughs> in the they're studio and in the newsroom. Those they're, are yours. my boots. I went those for are to 100? <laughs> no, I think they're mi- rated to minus 30. But the key she was talking about was the sole. So obviously it makes sense. But if you don't think about it, 
two-inch soles, which were some of those boots that are rated to minus 100, keeps the cold away, right? The farther you are away from the ground, the warmer your foot's going to be. And then, of course, uh, when it comes to your hands, Greg, you're going to like this. She had a made in Manitoba favorite to keep you warm, the garbage mitt. Only in Manitoba do we say garbage mitt. I was talking about them this week at a retreat, and there were a few people from other provinces, and they wanted to know why I would refer to my mitts that way. And <laughs> Yeah, so- it doesn't sound very flattering, but for people who don't understand, <laughs> we're talking about the yellow ones, that bright y- yellowy gold leather that actually started off as a mitt for garbage people. Absolutely. And they are so great because when you have um, different things that you're doing where you're actually being tough on your mitts, actually taking the garbage to the curb. Looking for grip. Looking for grip and looking for something that's not going to just wear through. These last. But really at the end of the day, keeping your fingers together and not in a glove is going to help to keep them warmer. Kids always want gloves. Like, my kids always want to buy gloves, and I'm like, no, that is going to just, you're not going to be able to survive a Manitoba winter. Mitts are way better than gloves. Okay, so this next tip, I'm honestly just playing this for my mom when it comes to your winter coat. She taught me a trick a few years ago, but I wanted to find out if it was really a thing. But she called it the blow test, and she would put her hand inside the coat or the sleeve, and she would blow as hard as she could Mm -hmm. into the fabric and see if she could feel that on the other side. Is that crazy? No, your mother's amazing. (laughs) I highly recommend people start to find these little tricks and tips to make sure that they're getting what they want. Try and blow through it. See if you can feel the air on the other side. You're going to be able to tell what that denier weave is on a nylon or how tight the weave is on a canvas and whether or not the wind is going to come through. She did not appreciate my attempt yesterday because I had lipstick on. She's like, do you not put a Kleenex down first? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I usually put a Kleenex down first, but no, the blow test. So there you go. Isn't that something? I remember you mentioning that before, and I thought you were going to ask if it was a myth that if you start wearing, you know, your heavy, heavy jacket. I didn't wear the North Face today Mm -hmm. just because we've got somewhere else to be and I'm in a suit today. But normally I would now transition from my O'Neill ski jacket to my North Face jacket because I don't like to wear the North Face too early in fear that it's not going to feel warm on a day like today because I've been wearing it when it's been minus 5, minus 10, minus 15. Yeah, I actually find it's a little too warm mm-hmm. when it's uh, not super cold out, uh, but I've been wearing it anyway, and I haven't noticed a difference. It's nice and toasty, uh, regardless of whether it's minus 10 or minus 23 or whatever is right now. Here's another crappy thing about the cold, though. Uh-huh. If you carry a smartphone and you use it outside... It's like you, Loren. You've this probably happened to you all the time when Just, you were a reporter. Oh, you'd have you'd have cold days. I remember being outside with my camera guy Jordan and myself, and we both lost our phones within three minutes of getting out of our car. Three and we were out minutes? in the bush, and we needed to call back, and we we're like, "Son of a!" Like, so I had to trek all the way back to the car, plug it in. But yesterday hysterically, uh, my phone died before I even got to the work boot place because it was cold in my car and I was sat on my phone on the way there to keep it warm. <laughs> and then I had to go in and buy a charger to plug it in to charge it up before I did the interview. So, yes. Oh, my God. Well, there you go. It's likely going to die in the cold without warning. <laughs> Has it ever happened to you? You got half a battery charge, but goodbye. I found this report from a place called Pewaukee, Wisconsin. I think it's called Milwaukee. No, it's Pewaukee. <laughs> This one's Pewaukee. Never heard of Pewaukee. I guess it's like a distant cousin of Milwaukee. <clears throat> and they, this report explains why your phone dies. Here's Nick Bohr with WISN 12 News. Outside for long in this bitter cold, don't count on your cell phone. Really what it is, it's lithium batteries. Sean Budiak of Batteries Plus Bulbs hears a lot about the cold weather limitations of those lithium-ion batteries. All of today's phones run on lithium batteries. It's great. Lots of power. 
lightweight, they just don't like the cold. And it's really not the battery, not that the battery dies, it's that the battery just can't produce electricity, can't produce energy when it gets this cold out. Apple even warns of the phenomenon on their site, cautioning against extreme temperatures and stating the iPhone's, quote, comfort zone is above 32 degrees. So it may not actually be a dead battery, it's just a cold. No, it's actually absolutely not a dead battery. It's just that that cold affecting the battery to the point where it just shuts everything down and won't work. Among the things you can do to help, keep your phone near your body if you can. Also, the experts say put a case on it to retain the heat the phone already has and never, if you can avoid it, leave your phone in the car when it's this cold. And if it does shut down from the cold, be patient. Don't just turn it back on. Get into a warm place. You know, get that phone to a point where you can touch the phone and it doesn't feel cold, then power it on. Then it's going to be back up to the normal life it was. In Pewaukee, Nick Bohr, WISN 12 News. Now here's the thing, I like to go for walks all the time, regardless of whether it's hot out or cold out, and I like to listen to music while I do that. And inevitably I'll pull the phone out and start skipping songs, and that's when my phone will die. It doesn't matter how much battery life mm -hmm. is in it. If it's cold out and I pull it out of my pocket and start doing anything with it. If I just leave it, it'll be okay, but I can have 50% battery gone as he's talking about the lithium just can't produce the electricity. And, um, did you just give me the no, wrap it up signal? I did not. I was just thinking that what you need is a garbage mitt and cut a hole in it and put your, and put, phone, put your phone in it. I, I, like I, a jacket for well, your phone. I should I, start yeah. wearing... Why didn't I figure that out from the cryptic head <laughs> signal? <laughs> well, it was more for myself. <laughs> it was just, it was more like a light bulb went off and Greg's yes. like, why am I not putting my phone in my garbage bag? Exactly. Why am I not putting my phone in the bottom exactly. of my Sorel? I mean, let's think about this. That would keep it warm. Well, and one of the tips on this is to put it, keep the phone in your pocket as much as possible, as close as you can to your body because your body heat will keep it warm. I've it, actually slipped it inside my shirt. Like yeah. when I'm driving home, I'll put it right down and then keep it in because I keep thinking if I get something happens in my car, your whole point is to be able to call for help. And I drive outside the city every single day. So that's a good idea. Hey, I've that's it, a good I've idea. Talked, if I ever get pulled over and they ask me if I'm on my phone, I can prove. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't even know where it is right now. Do you want to check, Mr. Officer? Yeah. All right. But <laughs> sounds like a lawsuit. Another thing you can do is turn on your phone's power saving mode. Uh, this should be available on both Android and iOS devices. And there's, there's another suggestion here for buy a case designed for cold weather there's a brand of cases called salt cases and they sell feet they sell thermal protection they're the case is kind of like yours greg you've got a phone that's it's a fold up one of those things where you can put your cards and right. stuff in exactly. well these cases are fold up but they have these weird shells on them uh mostly only for iphones but they do have a universal sort of pouch kind of case that you can stuff your phone into if it's cold but the problem is most of these phones now have glass backs on them there's uh -huh. no insulation from the battery yeah. Good point. This is the first phone I've ever had that dies basically after it's been outside for five minutes because previous ones I had had like plastic backs on them. So if you've got a glass back in your phone and you want to use it outside, be prepared for it to go. Bye-bye. Can you name the film that won Best Picture at the Oscars last year? Jeff Braun, you be quiet. I know you can. Reporter Jason Nathanson says if you can't, you are not alone. And the Oscar goes to... Would you know it without Googling it? The Shape of Water. It was less than a year ago, but only one in five people got the answer right in a new poll from The Hollywood Reporter and Morning Consult, just 20%. And remember that flub from 2017? There's a mistake. 
Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. More people in the poll actually thought La La Land won Best Picture 20% versus the actual winner, Moonlight, at just 12%. In fact, for most of the past five years, people misremembered the actual Best Picture winner. Jason Nathanson, ABC News. Hollywood. So we're going to have a chat about that. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Forte behind the glass. And Jeff, you probably would have been able to name that off the top of your head, right? Yeah. Although a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to think of it and it took me like a whole minute to come up with it. I was like, what was it last year? I know I was mad that it wasn't Lady Bird, but what was it? <laughs> That's right. You really liked that Lady Bird. I still got to watch that. Yeah, McNabb, same, what was yeah. your guess? I didn't. I said... Moonlight. Moonlight, which was the year prior. I can honestly tell you, though, once you said Shape of Water, I've intentionally gone out of my way to not watch that film. Like, I've been on a plane Ouch. where it was offered, and there was only two films left that I hadn't seen, and I just sat there in angry silence. Why? for like I don't know. I just, I, there's <laughs> nothing about it that interests me. You did the putty thing and yeah. just sat there and... Ordered another Stared drink. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just looking at the list, I mean, you really have to go back to find a, a bona fide smash hit. You have to go all the way back to 2003. The Lord of the Rings Return of the King won that year. That's not to say there haven't been hits. For example, Argo uh, won uh, about six years ago. That that's was a decent size hit. That was with Ben Affleck? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right, yep. And uh, Brian Cranston was in that too, right? I don't know. Um, but you look at some like Moonlight made sixty-five million dollars worldwide. Return of the King made one point one billion dollars. So what does that say to you about the, the Oscars, Kelly? Like, do you watch it? Do you know when you watch the Oscars, the movies that are up for grabs? We always say, you know what? We're this year we're going to go and watch all the movies that are nominated for Oscars, so we can watch the show and enjoy it. And then we never do. But, uh, it's because I, you don't want to see any of the movies. That well, no, not, that's I, actually, how I feel about I, half I, of them. And I would have guessed three billboards uh, for the Oscar for last year, and I probably would have had the wrong year. I'm not sure. No, no, that was last year. Oh, was that last year? And it did win some awards. Yeah, I would have had the right year. But, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Like, the Oscar award, it's so long and drawn out. Yeah. I, I'd just rather listen to the couch potatoes the following week. Well, hey, <laughs> hey, Kelly, who won the uh, Stanley Cup in 1967? In 1967? Uh, that would be, oh, I'd have to say the Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think for a second there because I, I remember most of the Stanley Cup winners. Good I only you. know that because of the hip song. Otherwise uh, I'd have nothing. Oh, wow. I'm sad to say I watched that series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we shouldn't be laughing at that. Should we? Is it okay for us to laugh at you for that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing, too, and Jeff, I know you do this every year where you try to see every nominee in the Best Picture category. Unless there's a musical involved. You don't like the musical? I don't like the musical. So did you ever Except see La La Land? I did really like La La Land. Did you? Just in general, I don't like musicals. I fell asleep during La La Land. What about Greatest Showman? No. What? Oh, With Hugh Jackman. That's not a awards-worthy movie, though, so. It was a surprise hit, though, and it's yeah. Hugh Jackman. And. Oh, I'm going to sing that so hard in the newsroom oh, in the God. next 10 Just minutes. Just don't start singing Frozen. I often don't end up seeing a, a many of the Best Picture nominees because they just they all come out at the same time, and it ends up sort of being like a chore. Like, I remember there was one, with the first year they went up to 10 nominees. Yeah, and it's harder it, once now that they got more. It was exciting to be able to go to see all these movies, but it, all, it just, I felt this anxiety, like, I still have five movies to see. When am I going to do this? How much money is this going to cost me? But it's always a very fulfilling experience because they are genuinely good movies, mm -hmm. hence their Best Picture nominee, but it's hard to get excited about movies you've never heard of. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. If you listen to the Couch Potatoes, I think we do a pretty good job of putting people on the right track. I remember when Black Klansman came out, I was very quick to say, look at this is going to get nominated for all the awards, and it is, and you should go see it because it's probably one of the best movies of the year, and it was. Yeah, I think this just proves that what the Academy's doing and what they've been doing all these years does genuinely get people thinking about going to the movies, because let's be honest, that's exactly why they do it. It's not about recognition for the best films. It's about selling more movie tickets and getting more butts in the seats. That's why they do it. I would also argue, though, with your couch potatoes, Jeff and Brett, you're putting us, you put us on the right track in what you think is going to be nominated and you're often right, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the most popular for the viewer, which you'll also talk about saying this, the ratings that they get and what people are saying. So it could be critically acclaimed, but just not popularly accepted or mass, mass accepted. Right? We're not like, always right. We once predicted uh, a television show canceled by Christmas in its first <laughs> season, and that was the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. Yeah. Back up the truck for a second. The, the couch potatoes do not get gold-plated invitations and red carpet treatment to go to the movies. You guys have to pay to get into the movies? The couch potatoes? Yep. I hope not. I spend like $900 a year at the theater. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the tickets, not the popcorn. It's both. The headline at cjob.com, Manitoba tax credit for local film and video productions made permanent. And we are joined live on 680 CJOB by the mayor of the Hollywood of the North, Selkirk, Manitoba, Larry Johansson. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Oh, good morning, guys. How's it going? Doing very well. I, I, I guess it's probably safe that we don't have to ask you, how's it going? Oh, you know what? Uh... I was waiting for you to say mayor of the city of Selkirk, and I was going to chime in with Hollywood North <laughs> instead of <laughs> city of Selkirk, but you beat me to the punch there, partner. So that was that was pretty cool. No, it's uh, you know we we helped uh, lobby we a bit for this uh, uh, for sunset clause to be uh, taken away and for the tax credit to be uh, to be uh, more permanent. And we're very, very excited that it happened. It uh, it couldn't come at a better time for Selkirk. I mean, we're uh, we literally are Hollywood North. Uh, we've had so many movies, we've had documentaries, and of course, we've got uh, Burden of Truth in its uh, season two, and uh, we couldn't be happier. So, for those who just uh, are just tuning into what's been happening with the tax credit, they removed that sunset clause, which is important because instead of having an expiry date for possible funding for film producers, they now know they're going to have that permanently, at least for now, and not have to worry about where you know some incentives might come from. And we've been hearing from the industry about just all the jobs, Mr. Mayor, that it provides to this province. Is that true for the productions oh, you've oh, seen absolutely. in your community? Absolutely, it's phenomenal. And and, and as you say, uh, removing the sunset clause. I mean, for something like uh, the series Burden of Truth, you know, after after they had a successful first season and uh, the show was picked up by U.S. Network also, uh, along with CBC, uh, you know what happens is they get the second season and then it, it looked like things could be rolling. However, uh, with uncertainty over the tax credit, you wonder whether or not this they're going to be shooting in your area or not. So, so now with this... Uh, a burden of uh, sunset clause over, burden of truth can continue on and hopefully, uh, you know, get into some more successful seasons. Uh, we're very excited that, uh, you know, Scott Fielding, Minister Fielding, uh, whenever I had a chance to talk to a minister, you know, I would always uh, mention about the uh, about the tax credit and how 
important it was to the city of Selkirk, how important it is to the city of Selkirk. And I would mention ROI. You know, when the provincial government is looking at, uh, at cuts, funding cuts, uh, you know, reductions, uh, I just hope they, they do take a good look at the return on investment because uh, it's, it's not always, uh, you know, how much you spend, but, but the return on it. And the return on it for the city of Selkirk is immense with, with more jobs, uh, hotels that are full, restaurants that are being used, catering firms. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of excitement in Selkirk when these, these film companies come to town. Now, Netflix yesterday announced that it's raising its subscription prices, and normally I don't get excited about the idea of, a, of, an, of an expense going up, but I couldn't help but think about tying this back to the Manitoba tax credit situation because the reason they're raising their subscription rates to as much as, by, by as much as 18% is because they want to produce even more content and that's got to be good news for anyone who's on the radar of these companies who are producing content whether it be for streaming services or 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 other oh absolutely netflix just wrapped up or they're wrapping up i think today or tomorrow a feature film a fracture and a huge amount of it was filmed right here in selkirk and uh, and to get somebody like netflix out here uh doing a, a feature film was uh, was a real coup for us uh, of course, Eagle Vision's out here production. Uh, Buffalo Gals has, have uh, pr- have production in uh, in the city of Selkirk, and you know we we tend to uh, we tend to overlook the importance of it uh, until you start seeing hard numbers. And when you start seeing you know a million plus coming into a community from from one series uh, in one year. Uh, those are serious numbers, and uh, and that just goes to show the importance for all of Manitoba, not just for the city of Winnipeg, city of Selkirk, but for all of Manitoba, and it, and it puts us in a in a different light with uh, with California, you know, with L.A. A lot of these actresses and actors are coming in from L.A. They're flying into uh, to our communities, and uh, nothing says success like uh, being looked at in that light. We're talking to the mayor of Selkirk, Larry Johansson, about the announcement yesterday that Manitoba has uh, eliminated that sunset clause on the tax credit for film. We know that's one of the reasons that might have lured producers here. The the dollar and and how it goes against the American dollar is another one, Larry. But why Selkirk? What is like? Is there a, is a street in Selkirk that's particularly drawing them in? Older buildings? What is it? Well, you know, Selkirk, uh, Selkirk Council, Marin Council and administration, uh, I think one of the reasons is uh, we've made it easy to do movie business in Selkirk. Uh, we had Capote shot here. That was our mer- uh, start of major films. Capote was shot here about uh, 13 years ago. And we knew at that time that, uh, you know, we, we might be onto something here because uh, that had major f- f- film stars and uh, they really enjoyed shooting here. So, so we, we passed the right bylaws. Uh, we made it easy to do movie business here. Uh, when they come here, and I've talked to producers, I've talked to, uh, to some of the actors even about, about this. When they come to Selkirk, they know exactly what they have to do if they want to close a street. They know exactly what they have to do if they want to rebrand, uh, you know, an area. They don't have to spend days running around looking for somebody to give them the permission. They know what they have to do. And in the movie business, 
uh, time is of the essence. Uh, you know, time means money to these guys, and, and they know that it's easy to do business in the city of Selkirk. So I, I think that's a big part of it. And, and also, Selkirk can be, it's a good community. We're in, we're in a good location. Uh, we're out of the big city, yet we're not too far. Uh, you know, we have access to everything the Interlake has to offer. And we can be made to look like, you know, big city USA, or we can also be made to look like uh, small city USA. So they really, really like that. Larry Johansson, Selkirk Mayor, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time and the enthusiasm. You guys have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Jennings from right hash. Back to pass. And he fires. Intercepted by Big Hill. To the 40, the 35, the 30, the 20. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. Adam Big Hill against his former team. Mackling McGarry and McNabb and the tweet yesterday from one Bob Irving at Bob Irving CJOB. Big Hill's back in blue for three years. That's a very big deal. How's that for penetrating analysis? Smiley face. Bob Irving joins us live on CJOB. Good morning, Bob. That's the best I could come up with. Good morning, you guys. Why are we even having you on the air? It doesn't get any better than that, Bob. We should just hang down now. Well, it seemed like a, sort of a simple way to to assess the significance of that. Uh, I think all the fans have been watching since the season ended what would happen with Adam Big Hill, who made such an impact on the Bombers last year. I felt all along that the chances were very good he'd re-sign here. I was thinking back to the Christmas period, and he would tweet pictures of his family and his kids all had blue bomber jerseys on. So I'm thinking, you know, this guy obviously is not planning on going anywhere uh, if he's demonstrating that much blue bomber, blue and gold. So, yeah, it's a great get for the Bombers. He was an important piece of the puzzle. Uh, I would say it was mandatory that they get him back, and uh, they've accomplished that. Bob, uh, Jeff Curry and I were going back and forth yesterday trying to remember the last time the Blue and Gold had a had a defensive player, a linebacker, that could be considered the most valuable player on the team. And this is a team that has Andrew Harris uh, performing like he is at running back. Is there anyone that, that comes to mind in terms of comparison for you? Oh, sure. And this name has come up, I know, in, in a lot of football circles. It'd be Greg Battle, who was a middle linebacker for the Bombers. Greg, back as you well know, in the, the halcyon days of the 80s when Cal Murphy's teams were beating everybody. Battle was a fabulous player. And I would say that Big Hill is the best middle linebacker they've had since then. Now he's only played here one year, Big Hill, I mean, but clearly talent-wise and impact-wise, uh, battle would be the best comparison for me. Yeah, player of the game in the 1990 Grey Cup, yep. in fact, Greg Battle. So as we move uh, into the afternoon yesterday, after the Blue blue and Gold announced this uh, big signing at 7.30 yesterday morning, rumors start to crop up that perhaps Chris Jones, even though he just signed a one-year extension with the Rough Riders last week, He's on his way to Cleveland. People going back, no, this can't be. Sure enough, mid-afternoon, the announcement that the Rough Rider head coach had in fact defected to the NFL and to the Cleveland Browns. What do you make of this? Well, I'm not shocked by it, Greg. Chris Jones is a bit of an opportunist. I think we've seen that by his actions in the Canadian Football League. I think he was quite concerned about the future in Saskatchewan because they don't have a quarterback and, uh, you know, they had a very good year in 2018 despite not having a, 
a frontline healthy quarterback all season long, but uh, th- their future is a little bit clouded in that regard. And obviously a chance to work in the National Football League and the money that is paid down there, even to assistant coaches, was probably difficult for Jones to pass up. So I'm not shocked, but it certainly changes the landscape in the CFL West uh, and uh, who the riders are going to get. I know Paul Lapalise's name surfaces every time there's an opening in the Canadian Football League coaching ranks. And I, I don't know if Paul's interested in leaving right now. I, even to go to Saskatchewan, which is just down the road, is he wouldn't be that far from his family. Mark Tressman's name comes up. But it's a very significant development for sure. And uh, it creates a lot of uncertainty about the riders. How would that, how badly would that affect Winnipeg if Lapo were to leave? Well, it wouldn't be good. Um, you know, he's been a, a key cog in their wheel, uh, Brett, uh, you know, running the offense and coming up with some of the most creative offenses we've seen in the last few years. So I think it would be a blow for sure. Uh, but again, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Everything I understand, Paul settled in here for another year. And uh, I guess the writers could make it so attractive for him that he'd have virtually no choice but to leave because money's never an issue in Saskatchewan, although there is a cap now for the coaches and managers. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But my my gut would be that uh, Lapo is not going anywhere. Upheaval in Saskatchewan, uncertainty at the quarterback position in Edmonton as Mike Riley is a free agent, and of course, uh, conversation that lots of teams are going to come with with bucket loads of money for him. The Calgary Stampeders have let several of their key cogs go, including their middle linebacker Alex Singleton, to yep. pursue NFL dreams. Where are the Blue Bombers sitting right now in terms of the pecking order as we uh, head towards free agency in in just about three or four weeks? time here bob well they're far better off greg i would say than just about every other team in the west perhaps with the exception of edmonton uh, assuming the eskimos can re-sign mike riley uh, that's going to be a big story when free agency hits calgary uh, will be good as long as bo levi mitchell comes back but he has some interest in the national football league so imagine bo levi leaving and what that would do to the Stampeders, then maybe they'd go out and sign Mike Riley. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of dominoes to fall here in the offseason, but the Bombers are looking, uh, I think, as stable or more stable than any team in the West. They have their quarterback in Nichols. Andrew Harris is back. Uh, three key members of their offensive line are back. Now Big Hill is back, and they, I know they want to re-sign still some of their top players, Taylor Loeffler, Jackson Jeffcoat, Javon Santos, Knox, Matthias Gos, and Suk Chung, just a few who are still headed for free agency that the Bombers would love to get back. But uh, looking at the West, uh, the Bombers right now look pretty good. Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Bob, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and Keene. Kelly Keene is here. She is an author, educator, and consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council. And as we touted earlier, she is one of our favorite guests. And she's here to talk about a whole bunch of things, including January, the bluest month. And we'll ask you about that in a second. But first, good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. It's so awesome to be in studio with you. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? Nah, uh, I like it. Happy New Year! <laughs> what kind of boots do we have on today, Kelly? Because it's cold out there. It is cold. 
really, or are, are we wrapped? You know what? It's not. It's not snowing though. So, but yeah, it's it's a little fridge. I'm an Edmonton girl, so it's okay. I can handle it. This isn't bad. This isn't bad. Good for you. Well, and it, you know, January is cold. We associate cold with blue. And in the the release that your uh, people sent us. Uh, it talks about how consume, the economy is sputtering. Canadian debt to income levels are above pre-U.S. Great Recession peak. Consumers are on tenterhooks. Great word. On tenterhooks due to recession talk and the prospect of facing down January, which is the bluest month. So what do you mean by that, the yeah. bluest month? Actually, uh, yesterday, by a lot of accounts, was uh, was the bluest day. And so it's just, you know, it's short days. It's people have a lot of debt. There's no Christmas activity anymore. There's no holiday stuff. There's nothing really to look forward to. Although... I think it's a great month because we're just about at spring. Mm-hmm. This is the eternal optimist in me. But the reality is it's really tough and a lot of a lot of that holiday hangover is sinking in where it's like, oh, people were irrational at the time. They wanted to buy their way to a great holiday and make the kids happy and make everyone happy. And that lasted what? 30 minutes, an hour, sometimes less, yeah. Even, yeah, or less. In our house, the credit card statement for December was due, like the payment was due yesterday. So January Mm -hmm. 15th is kind of the day, too. You do look at it and think, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, good. Well, (laughs) (laughs) good. Who made this choice? (laughs) There's a, a famous Seinfeld, right, where they all go out for dinner and everything, and everyone's like ordering this and ordering that, and then they're full, and then the bill comes, and everyone's looking through the bill. Who? ordered this did we really need this like right i love that episode well i relay it uh, back to my late teens early 20s when we would go to a place called grapes on maine on sunday nights and they had two dollar drinks wow. and of course you ordered them like a sailor on you know shore leave and then when the bill <laughs> came you were counting every single one i don't think uh-huh. you know at the time two dollars didn't so- sound like very much money but when you multiplied it by 12 it was a big deal and i think that's some of the trouble that we get ourselves in my grandpa used to say mind the nickels and dimes mm-hmm. the dollars are take care of themselves we don't do a very good job at, do- job at minding the nickels and dimes you know what that's such a great point and the thing is too when we're we're looking at putting those nickels and dimes away people go that doesn't make any difference at all so they they just don't bother they don't feel that it's going to change their life. And but okay, if I can't convince you of that or you're not convinced of that, the reverse, when you take high interest rate credit card debt, like 18% or 29% and you only look at that minimum payment that's requested from your bank. If you just make that and actually the government legislated banks a number of years ago to actually put, if you're brave enough to read your credit card statement and comb through it, you'll see this scary little box. If you've got a balance of how long it's actually going to take you to pay it off. I've seen 110 years. I've seen 50 years. But those nickels and dimes that your grandpa was talking about, if you put those down, so like I've done all these calculations and I encourage your listeners to go and do some online uh, calculations, just like a couple bucks more a day, you go from 50 years to burning it in four or whatever and saving. I know your eyes just like lit up, right? Because this is the magic of compound interest. When you're saving, it takes forever to see the magic. When you have a big mortgage or you've got a big interest rate credit card debt, oh, man, it's amazing. Even sometimes I'll do these calculations for TV or radio or something of that sort, and I can't believe it. But until you do the calculation 
And if you just keep kind of,、uh, you know, going along. So that's why I'm always so happy to be here with you to be like, stop what you're doing. And if you're listening and you're in debt, you know,、uh, like get on a calculator. If it's too complex, reach out to a nonprofit. Credit counselor or a certified financial planner. You don't necessarily have to have money to see a pro. There's lots of people that do it by the hour, do it by the plan,、um, but don't do nothing this January. It won't, it won't get better. You mentioned the idea, though, that if you're brave enough、mm-hmm. to open your credit card bill, which I think says a lot about the problem we all have in general, like you might say, I know I have to make that minimum payment, but I'm not even open my bill because I don't think I can deal、Ugh. with it. But if the minimum payment is just $10 and you put down the $14, that's the difference. A huge difference.、Yeah. So, what is it psychologically that we need to convince ourselves to even maybe have that courage to tackle even the smallest、yeah. of debt? Yeah, Lorraine, you make such a great point. And that, that's the thing is, there is, this is the last shame. This is the last taboo. We can talk about anything. We can talk about sex. We can talk about politics. We can talk about anything. But we cannot, and we can talk about money. Let me make a distinction. We cannot talk about money problems. This is where the embarrassment and the shame and all of that comes in. So, if you are listening and you're scared to open that credit card statement, you got to do it. You got to take a deep breath. And even if you don't have the money to pay, being silent is going to get you in more trouble than not doing anything. And, and it is so hard to figure out what to do to call up your bank and say, I can't make the payment. Maybe you can't make the payment. Um, if you like, you do have the right to do that. And the and bank will let you, you maybe, maybe not. Depends how long you've been late. I don't want to give people false hope and say, yeah, you can just call up your bank. Now, if you miss that payment, that hurts your credit report. But maybe you've got to miss a mortgage payment option and maybe you can miss one month and that would be enough to get you through. Or, 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 or maybe the bank will work with you and say,、uh, how about a consolidation loan? Or how about putting you in a lower interest rate credit card? Uh, to help you get that paid off sooner or whatever. But just sitting there worrying doesn't make it better. Now, if all of that's too much, remember I said to reach out to someone like a nonprofit credit counselor. They're going to make sure they're nonprofit. They're going to、um, work with your creditors on your behalf. I know somebody's going through、uh, some changes in terms of their career. And so there's kind of a bridge that's going on right now in terms of the last paycheck <sighs> from the last job and the first paycheck at the new job that、yeah. they haven't even started. Yeah, that's a long time. That can be four or five weeks. Yeah,、right? but this yeah. person that I know reached out to their, to their bank and said, hey, is there anything we can do with regards to my mortgage? And long story short, it turned into they're going to let this person pay the interest only、wow. for three months、wow. on their mortgage and put it on the back end of the mortgage because、uh, he's got a really good relationship、yeah. with, his, with, his, with his credit union. And, and sometimes that's all it takes is、mm-hmm. to have that discussion because you never know. You can't, they're not going to phone you and say, hey, we're, we hear you're having a bad time、exactly. paying the bill if they're phoning you. There is very little room for negotiation.、And、that is such a valid point because every single month that you go over that 30 days, it, th- that's red flags. There's a lot of bells going off. So, I mean, same thing. We're going to come into tax time soon. And there's some entrepreneurs listening or people that you know, have the side hustles and they don't have the money to pay your taxes. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't do them. Uh, even if you don't have the money, and then have the conversation with CRA, with, with Canada Revenue Agency, for a payment plan. I mean, people are terrified of Revenue Canada. We hear all these horrible stories. 
I'm cert- I don't work for them. I never have. I'm not defending them. But in any dealings I've had, they tend to be very fair. It's when a promise has then been broken is when they have zero tolerance. And actually, all lenders have zero tolerance. So the whole takeaway is paying attention. And here's another thing, too. If you've got a dispute with someone, uh, I had someone one time was handing their car back in uh, for a lease or what have you, and they had some big disagreement, and they felt they were 100% in the right, and it turned out that they were like four or five months later, but they decided not to make any of the lease payments while the dispute was happening and ruined their credit. So it's, 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 you know, it's what's fair and what the system is and knowing the difference between the two um, and also just realizing you're not alone. There used to be a time we used to whisper the word cancer and now we run for the cure and we have Facebook uh, support and everything else. And But now when it comes to something so fundamental to your life as money, as credit, as we're not taught this stuff. We're not taught this stuff. We don't, you know, get any education on it. So if you are feeling bad about it, stop feeling bad. Really stop feeling bad. Start to talk about it and and turn it around. Kelly Keene is our guest. She is an author, educator, and consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council. Her website is kellykeen.com. That's spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N. KellyKeen.com is the website. Kelly Keen is our guest. She is an author, educator, consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council, and one of our all-time favorite guests, and not just because she brought donuts, uh, of which I've had two. Thank you very much, Kelly. Greg, you wanted, you wanted to ask uh, Kelly about what's going on south of the border. Yeah, and nobody wants to find themselves in a situation like this, especially... It's not your fault, right? You have yeah. a job, well-paying or otherwise, and the government decides to shut down. I think it's day 26 today. 80% of U.S. workers live paycheck to paycheck. I suspect that number is very similar, if not exactly mm-hmm. the same here in Canada. I know we've heard the the number of having three months of worth of expenses in a savings account, but how realistic is that, Kelly? And and how do, how do we do that? Are, are there some tips to make sure that we can make sure that we're okay for a rainy day like this yeah. uh, or a thunderstorm in, in yeah, this case. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many people I feel for those people could make it that long? And, um, you know, it's not just three months, uh, Greg, but a lot of experts are saying three to six months, maybe even a year if you have a very specialized um, job or you're an entrepreneur or something of that sort. Who has that kind of money? So what do you do? Now, keep in mind, if we were having this conversation 30 years ago, the conversation would be totally different because what is the number one rule of economics? Incentives drive the market. Interest rates have been at an all-time low, and it is a great incentive for people to feel more rich and politicians to be happy and, and markets to grow because we spend money. If it were 30 years ago and interest rates were at a double digits as they were, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we didn't consume. People had savings. There was an incentive to save. So we have to start to flip that conversation. But for today, where a lot of people are at, swimming in debt, um, The only thing that you can do, there's two things you can do. Bring in more income, 
or cut your expenses or both. So bringing in more income, I think, is a conversation more families need to have. Selling your stuff, um, you know, side hustles, getting your your young people in your house, uh, working. I don't. I, I I have some older relatives in seniors' homes. I don't understand why young folks aren't in there teaching them how to use Facebook and Instagram and Skype with family members and charging them like they're sitting there. They've got money. I know I've got four cell phones sitting in my home that I would gladly donate if someone was doing something like that. Anyway, I digress. Uh, When it comes to cutting your expenses, I don't think budgets work. I think they're like diets. I think people stick to them for a week or two or a month and then they fall off. So something I do, I make my husband do, and we do this every six six months, is what I call my 30-day anti-budget. Super simple, but hard to do. Uh, You track every single dollar you spend. Now, that is not so easy to do because you have to be an investigative journalist in in your own life. (laughs) And look at your cell phone because I'm digital with my cell phone. So I, I, I forget my password all the time. You know, so I don't check that bill often, doesn't come in. Um, looking at your insurance rates, things of that sort. And then at the end of 30 days, you make yourself a nice little graph or chart or whatever, and you see the categories and go, hmm, is our money going where we thought it was? Because how can anyone tell you where your money should be going, right? It's where it, it is going. And, and that's where people get derailed is they think they're only spending this much on groceries and dining out or whatever it is, whatever it is for your family, times it by 12, see where you can cut the fat and pay your debt off with that. Well, well that's where the alarm bells will go off for me because I'll see, oh, I spent $40 at Tony's Pizza and $35 <laughs> at Santa Lucia and uh, so on. Gondola, I, I, I wouldn't love, I don't want to see that. But, but here's the thing. Maybe you say, but you didn't buy a new car. You didn't do, you know, it's, it's, it's about choice and awareness not about sacrifice. There's this big buffet that we all get to go to in life and you get to choose. But if you just mindlessly put those calories, you know, in your body, it's the same thing with the financial calories. Somebody I was out with uh, yesterday said he has a landline at home. And the only reason he still has a landline is because is for the alarm that he never uses. <laughs> so he's paying 40 bucks a month for a landline wow. and $35 a month for, for alarm monitoring that he doesn't use. He goes, doesn't sound like much, 70 bucks a month. He goes... But it's $840 a year. What could you do with that? Right? That right? changes the conversation when we take it away from the monthly. Because exactly. even the, the car financing companies are playing with us on that now. Mm-hmm. We don't see yep. the monthly payment. They went to the bi-weekly. Yeah. Now they're advertising weekly. Only $55 a week. Who can't afford a new car that's $55 a week, right? <laughs> exactly. I know. And who can't find $55 a week? To put to yourself, to put, you know, to get out of that stress, to get out of. And and that's the thing, um, Brett, is people don't want to look at it because they think that, oh, I- I'm going to feel bad. What? You don't need to feel bad. It's it's where do you want your money to go? And awareness. See the way- awareness. And I, every time I do it with my husband and I, we are shocked. And, and it just gives us a fresh look. Did we need that magazine subscription? Sure. Do we need this? Do we need, do we want, not even do we need it. Do you want it? Do we want it? It's the same reason I like the credit card statement because it does break it down in mm-hmm. the back, entertainment, whatever. And every every time I look at it, I think, this got to be somebody screwed up at CIBC. <laughs> and then I go looking at it and I'm like, oh, crap, that was me. 
Like that was me spending that because you didn't think you had spent that money in food or movies or dinner. Yeah, exactly. Kelly Keene is an author, educator, consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council, and her website is kellykeen.com, and you can follow her on social media as well if you look for that name. Kelly, thank you for the visit. Always thank a pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Awesome to be here. Lauren McNabb, we, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, animal cruelty and dogs in the wake of that situation on Home Street uh, that just occurred, uh, we just learned of a couple of days ago. Yeah, they went in and found 15 dogs uh, in a deplorable state, and then we later learned that they actually found three dogs that were deceased in a garage. And, and while police have said they believe the owner may have simply become overwhelmed with the number of animals that she had, we've since been talking to animal welfare groups about all the issues that lead to a pet being seized. They might be mental health or substance abuse, and in some cases, seniors or the elderly who can just no longer care for their animals. Judy Smith is with Before the Bridge Senior Canine Rescue and joins us on the phone now. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. So I know, tell us a little bit first about the Senior Canine Rescue. You deal largely with older dogs. We're a senior rescue, uh, plus the name before the Bridge Senior Canine Rescue. We deal with dog. We bring in dogs into rescue that are seven years and older. Uh, I think the oldest one we brought in was 19 and a half, and we did get that dog adopted. Um, they're put into into loving foster homes, and then we advertise on our Facebook page, and we have a web page. Um, to get the dogs adopted and find them loving forever homes. One scenario I hadn't thought of, Judy, was just the idea of somebody who might not have a pet taken away from them but might not be able to care for them anymore just simply because of their age. That's got to be a heartbreaking situation to walk into, taking taking an animal when someone doesn't want to give them up. Oh, yes, I've tried with them. So um it's uh, an owner relinquishes uh, there's many reasons why why owners relinquish their pets many many well what are some of those reasons if you'd share them with us please judy oh sure i will owners passing on and the family is unable uh to take their dogs owners going into assisted living divorce is huge um allergies is another big one spouse is passing away and the wife or husband having to sell the home and move into an apartment. I always remind them that Winnipeg is one of the most pet-friendly cities in North America, but people panic and they rent the first thing they see, and it it doesn't include their pet. Um, Some can't afford medical bills. Uh, We offer to help in those cases. Some cannot afford to buy food. We also offer to help in those cases so they won't have to give up their dogs. Uh, having a baby, had a baby, the dog might bite, the dog's jealous, uh, owner is ill, um, no longer able to look after their dog, and that affects young and old. And uh, our focus is mostly on the dog. I just, the name of your organization just struck me. So yes. <laughs> before the bridge, what a beautiful, beautiful name. And I, I can't help but think of my brother and sister-in-law who are dealing with uh, a little dog from um, my brother-in-law's uncle who who passed away and they've taken on this dog. Not everyone is in a situation where, like you mentioned, where there is a family member in a, in a situation okay. to take over an animal like this. And I can 
think about myself and go, I, you know, you want to do everything you can to hold on to these pets for as long as you can. You must run into just some incredibly heartbreaking scenarios here. Yeah, there's one that comes to mind. I met, I picked up their dogs in the parking lot at Pet Value on Firmer, and the husband was so upset. They gave up two pugs, and he was so upset that he was blowing his nose in a tea towel. And I, we just hugged and cried. Um, however, uh, pugs being pugs, just sort of trotted off and went with me and never looked back. <laughs> but the, that family was so heartbroken, and they gave up their pets um, because. Their younger daughter uh, had allergies, and the five-year-old daughter wanted to give the, the, the younger daughter away and keep the dog. <laughs> How often does that happen, the allergy situation? Oh, it, it's, uh, it's quite big. We've had a dog adopted recently, or, well, no, about a year ago, actually, and they had to return her because there's a two-week adoption trial. The wife was thought she was getting a cold and, in fact, was allergic to the dog they had just adopted. So the dog had to be returned. It, allergies are a big, they're a big, uh, one of the bigger reasons. Those, that's one reason why someone might not want to give up their dog, would have no choice to. Do you have a message, though, for those? And, and Judy, I know you've talked about this in the past, about the idea that there are some people who acquire a pet kind of like it's a piece of property and just decide, ah, it's not working for me, I'll get rid of it. What what would you say to them before maybe they go into pet ownership so that they don't find themselves in the situation? Because it seems kind of callous. Well, we always, uh, I I don't really get to talk to the people that are thinking about adopting a pet. Like if they're adopting one of our pets, I do say it's for life. These dogs have been moved around enough. They're seniors. We're looking for their forever home, not a, a for a minute home. So I, you know, I do advise that there's responsibilities that come along with pet ownership. And, and well, our, to adopt one of our dogs, they really have to jump through quite a few hoops. We do home visits. We, we uh, check their vets to make sure that they are doing preventative medicine and not just emergency medicine, a bedding. And, uh, like, to get a dog from us isn't that easy. So, Judy... Thanks. In the case that we've been discussing and sort of prompted us reaching out to you, this idea of people getting overwhelmed. Their heart is in the right place. The Winnipeg Humane Society acknowledged that yesterday. Leland Gordon from Winnipeg uh, uh, Services, Animal Services, acknowledged that sometimes people are taking in animals uh, that are strays or other situations and they just find themselves overwhelmed and they don't know who to reach out. How often do you come across that? Quite often, actually, um, because someone will get a dog and they don't, uh, they don't uh, spay and neuter it. Not from us, because all of our dogs leave uh, before the bridge spay and neutered. And you'd be surprised how many seniors come in that aren't spayed and neutered. But then their dog has puppies and they think they can give the puppies away or sell them and they don't. So they keep them and they end up having puppies because uh, spay and neuter is the number one thing that all pet owners should do to prevent that, right? So um, uh, we kind of call them backdoor breeders. There are some that, that breed um, um, the dogs to, to live, like that, that's their means of, uh, of um, employment. But uh, it, it can be overwhelming because then you suddenly have a whole garage full of dogs and they're uh, spilling into the house and then 
as in this case, the lady moved out because she was overwhelmed. Um, we had a case of a rescue um, doing that five years ago where they were, the dogs were in deplorable um, condition. And she was, she was a wonderful woman with her heart in the right place, but just got overwhelmed. Judy, how do we get in touch with you at Before the Bridge Senior Canine Rescue? Uh, you can go on our webpage, which is www.beforethebridge.ca, or you can go on our Facebook page. Um, we have albums on both pages of the adoptable senior dogs. And uh, we, we also have our, our relinquished form is there. And we're always looking for fosters, so we have our foster form there as well. And yeah, and, and you'll learn a little bit about us. <laughs> Judy Smith with Before the Bridge Senior Canine Rescue. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us about the service that you provide. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.